welcome back to another episode of the Goal Post. We'll pick up where we started for our previews right away with Bills 20, Jets 12. Yeah, that's right. We're getting you right back into it. The middle of your week, a little pick me up here. And the Bills pick up another important yet kind of ugly divisional win in their path to the playoffs with the Jets falling on the wrong side of a divisional game again, Patrick. Yeah, it was kind of a lackluster game overall. It was uh, it was 0-0 up until that Dawson Knox touchdown with, I think, 26 seconds, around like 25 seconds or so left in the second quarter. I mean, it, it was not pretty, but the Bills got the job done at the end of the day. Uh, Josh Allen probably had one of those like C, C-plus games. He only had 147 yards through the air, but it was a weird weather game, so I'm not going to put too much stock into that, but... Overall, yeah, it was it was kind of just a weird game that the Bills needed to win and they won. Yeah, I think if anything, the Bills shown or showed that they can win in a lot of different ways this season. This was kind of another feather in their hat, like blowouts, close games, ugly games, bad weather games. So I think moving forward, this kind of just becomes another notch on their belt. The big story of the game was in the second quarter, Mike White gets absolutely torn in half. You can tell his ribs are broken about the second he gets hit and it was one of the craziest hits i've seen in probably this season it was just insane his body at on impact like when they showed the replay it was he was folded like a, like a lawn chair it was yeah. i can't believe it it was right as he's the most exposed possible and that the milano i believe it was just got him in like he needed the kidney pads in box lacrosse that was the only thing that could save him he i he it looked like a, a dummy. It. Yeah, yeah, it looked no, like hitting dummy. like a, yeah. a crash dummy. Like he almost got, I was watching Pat McAfee and he said he almost got whiplash the other way because his head goes forward so yeah. hard. It was just a crazy hit. And I think the fact that he came back into the game after that and continued to play further cements him as the captain, essentially, of this locker room moving forward. He's played good football. He still threw 44 passes. So I don't think that there's anybody in that locker room who doesn't want to play for Mike White right now. He's by far the fan favorite uh, for starting quarterback for that team right now. Joe Flacco came in there in relief for a little bit, and that was that was sad. It was sad to watch a once-proud Joe Flacco. Flacco. Yeah, he did not look like he wanted to be out there at all. And it brings up a really tough question because next week against the Lions, do the Jets activate Zach Wilson? Like, I don't think Flacco can get it done against the Lions in a game where they might have to put up a ton of points. Like, the Lions score points. Are they saying Mike White's out 100%? Not I couldn't find well, anything saying, like, he's not playing for sure. There's nothing that he's not playing for sure, but do you act like, do you get Wilson in that second? What instead of Flacco? Like if this is kind of a game that the Jets have to win. I I think you have to roster him. I think you have to put him in there. Yeah, at, at least think, dress him. So you need, he yeah. needs to be dressed. You can't have have him looking all doom and gloom in his street clothes on the sideline, bringing down the morale. I, at that point, has, you're kind of your hands forced. You're making a football decision there. Like what gives us the best chance to win this football game if Mike White can't go? And I don't think it's Joe Flacco. Here, here's the the latest from from Yahoo or no NBC Sports Edge yesterday at twelve oh eight p.m. Mike White claims he's ready to roll. What a warrior! Ready to roll, Mike White. He, I don't know. It's this team's weird. This Jets team because very it feels like they're playing better football with Mike White, but they aren't winning with him. And for some reason, they were winning with Zach Wilson. I think he was five and two, five and one, maybe. Yeah. And he like, it, it's just weird. I mean, Zach Wilson didn't play well, but he won. Mike White's playing well, but he's not winning. So it's, yeah. they're in a Very weird, hard. weird circumstance. Yeah. Like there's few shining spots to the Jets right now. Obviously their defense is still great. And another thing is that they've been able to run by committee kind of all season with guys going out and in when called on. Bam Knight's been solid the past two Sundays, so the Jets can at least be pleased with that moving forward and hoping that they can get their run established against the Lions. But I think that moving forward, this Lions game just grew a lot more important because if you start skidding here and lose two in a row, then the AFC picture gets even more tough. 
especially with the Chargers winning last Sunday night. So I think that the Jets kind of have to screw their head on here going forward into their next game. Hopefully Mike White is good to go, apparently, because he's aware. Ready to roll, baby. Ready Ready to roll. roll. So I think that the Jets aren't in complete dire mode yet, but uh, this Lions game got a lot more important. Yeah, and and also the the Patriots winning on Monday night. So the Chargers and the Patriots have the tiebreaker over the Jets, meaning the Patriots are in that last wildcard spot in the AFC. The Jets are on the outside looking in for the time being. There was encouraging things for the Jets in that game, though. Like the ball bounces a couple of different ways. That game is, I mean, they had the block punt, which I mean, if that ball literally just doesn't go through the end zone, it's a touchdown for them. And then off the punt, when they got the ball, or off the safety, sorry, when they got the the punt to them, they were going down for points with five minutes left. Could have tied it up with a touchdown and two point. Instead, they fumble with five minutes left, which pretty much lost them the game. And but. It felt like it was in their hands, and I think we said last week that the Bill, uh, the Jets could lose this game in a good loss, right? Like, it, I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to necessarily win, and I think they did achieve that with a good loss. Yeah, but, cover, covered the spread. Yeah, they covered the spread. They didn't look bad. It was a close game. The weather had a bit of an impact, and I think that the Jets can at least take some things from this game moving forward. It's going to become a really interesting AFC picture coming down in the next few weeks. It it definitely is. The Bills are definitely now in the in the driver's seat for the AFC East to win that division. I mean, I don't know really what to say about the Bills game. I mean, they, they just won. I, I don't think they're going to be like watching the tape being like, we did a lot of things well. I don't think they're going to be watching the tape saying we did a lot of things bad. I think they're just going to say, like, we were able to win this game. This was a game you needed to win. Late in the season, ugly weather. Josh Allen, I mean, it's kind of been our storyline about how he how he gets hit a lot. He took a, a did you see the one where he was like flying for the yes. first down? That was it's just not what you want to see. I, I I know we say it every week, but yeah, it's hard to take the dog out of him. One of these times, man. Like that. Yeah, one of just these takes times. one. It just takes one. But that moves us on to a bit of one p.m. slate cleanup. It was a bit of an interesting 1 p.m. slate because the Lions get an impressive win over the Vikings and once again show that Vegas is usually never wrong. I think a lot of people ended up taking that cheese with the Vikings and got burned for it. And the Vikings defense is just starting to become noticeably bad. Like if Kirk Cousins throws for 425 yards, Jefferson gets 223 yards and you can't beat the Lions. I'm not sure what they think is going to happen come the playoffs. The Vikings are last in net yards per game allowed. And I just don't think that that is a sustainable model moving forward in an NFC with a lot of lot of tough defenses, right? You're you're right. You're definitely right. Um, I don't know whether I got took more away from the Vikings in this game or the Lions. Yeah, it was a bit of both. It was it was a give and take kind of on both sides. What I was saying about the Raiders two weeks ago, a week ago. I I pretend I said that I was talking about the Lions because that is the team that's surging now at four and seven. I believe they've won five in a row and are six and seven now um, in a decent spot to make the playoffs with the commanders and giants having to play each other next week. It's the Lions are just playing really good football right now. I mean, obviously I'm on Ross St. Brown as their number one, but Goff is not afraid to spread it around. They got Jameson Williams late late season acquisition off yeah, their off their IR. I think they're a team everyone wants to see win too, right? Like I think everybody right now has a soft spot for the Lions. And I think it would be a great story to see Dan Campbell turn that around. And if this team makes the playoffs, what does he earn his job for the next two, three years? Yeah, I was I was kind of wrong on Dan Dan Campbell. I thought he was too much of a raw raw coach and not enough of a smarts brain coach but he did but have to show you otherwise and he did yes, the past few weeks right he pro- he's proved me wrong it it's unfortunate that it took to them being one and seven to figure it out but yeah. at least they're they're i mean making an attempt at the playoffs they're, they're just definitely showing life like they're just a team you really do not want to play right now they're playing their best football late in the year it's what you want to see out of a team 
Yeah, they look like they're really gelling too. They have some great locker room videos, and it seems like everybody's jazzed to play on that team right now. Which... Yeah, I love that that fourth down to Penny Sewell. Absolutely, something to behold. That's fun football. Yeah. yeah. And similarly, I think the Jaguars got an impressive win over the skidding Titans where Trevor Lawrence throws three touchdowns. I think, side note, I just think he's now developing into being a sweet quarterback, whether that's like a great quarterback. He's just becoming sweet. He's throwing awesome throws that are just fun to watch. And the Titans offense fails yet again to get the job done. We sound like a broken record now because we've talked about it so much on the podcast, but it's hard not to. I mean, yeah, their defense went from allowing 20 or less in eight straight weeks to getting exposed in back-to-back weeks, which is not what you want to see. Also starting to fall off, yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked a bit about how the Titans are kind of guaranteed a playoff spot with that division, but with that Jaguars win, it's definitely interesting, that division now. I mean, if the Jags win out, they would win the division because they played Tennessee again, I believe, last, last week of the season, but I mean, I, I agree. Trevor Lawrence is probably, he's answered a lot of questions that were going on about him. And like, I I think the Jags have to kind of ride with him for the time being now. Yeah, I think so too. And one of the things I remembered always about when he was getting hyped up so much as a draft prospect was just solely focusing on his arm. Like everybody was going crazy over Trevor Wilson's arm and um, how accurate he could be. Sorry, Trevor Lawrence, not Trevor Wilson. And he's starting to show that completely. Like he's throwing crazy accurate passes. Like he's not afraid at all to throw 35 yard balls to the end zone. So that's pretty impressive in its own right, but it's also a good sign for Jags fans moving forward. The other thing I had from the 1 PM cleanup was pretty much that the Eagles destroyed the giants and the Bengals finally get the Browns off their back. Pretty much two things that were, you know, sort of expected early in the game and it it went out that way yeah uh it felt like the browns had a million opportunities to kind of get back in that game yeah they just didn't really take advantage of them since he was the better team that game they they just since he for i think it was like four drives in a row uh late in the second quarter early in the third quarter they just went up the field and they just couldn't be stopped and that was that was enough for that little period of time was enough for them to win the game. Eagles look like the best team in football right now. Um, what else did I have? Uh, Cowboys with an uh, escape, uh, what would have been a disgusting loss to the Texans and the Steelers are done. Steelers that's, are done. That's yeah, all that was the, a, the one a win that the Ravens needed to, but we'll get to the Ravens a bit later. Don't worry. Yep. And that brings us to another game that we previewed, 49ers 35, Bucks 7. And the first thing I'll say about this is, Patrick, you might have been right about the Brock Purdy experiment because this offense still looks fantastic, and he played great. I'm, I'm all in on Brock Purdy. I've, How could you not be after that? Well, it, I'm just confused about NFL scouting and drafting because the guy showed it in college for four years. It's not like he was a... One year starter. He was a starter at Iowa State for three years and played as a freshman. So you have so much sample size of Brock Purdy, and he has shown that he can get it done in college. And then you got like this NFL draft, you got guys like Will Levis, who's projected top 10, and he has shown absolutely nothing in college. So it's just, it's really confusing to me about how like Brock Purdy ends up going last in the draft to now. I mean, I don't know which, but he he went out there first NFL start against Tom Brady and was the better quarterback, which is crazy to say. Yeah, he finished with two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and he just the team still looked like a juggernaut, right? He leaned on McCaffrey. He finished with 120 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel had a touchdown before he went out injured, but I think that Brock Purdy is showing that. Like we said last week, even average quarterback play will be enough to get this offense and this team rolling with a defense that is so good that you can lean on. And yeah, on the other side, the Bucks looked horrible yet again. Brady throws two interceptions and one touchdown on 55 attempts. I'm, I'm not surprised. The Bucs have been a bad team all year. A lot of people just kind of fell in love with them out of nowhere because they put together two drives against the, the woeful Saints. But the Bucs are a terrible football team. And now there's now there's the whole narrative going around that, oh, like you don't want to run into to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the playoffs. 
Yes, you do. I think you do. It's yeah. the only team you want to run into in the first round. They are bad. They were a yeah. terrible football team. I, it's it's just crazy to me that it just kind of feels good that it's like it's official. Like Tom is kind of just done. He doesn't have to haunt haunt my dreams anymore. He can go out on his horse, but he's not. He's yeah. not going to. He's going that's to try the, and play. Keep that's playing. the craziest thing is I don't know where this leaves him, right? Like there's no way he wants to leave with a sour taste in his mouth, but I don't think he can go back to the Bucks. So I think that's going to become like the craziest storyline in a few months. Like it'll be all you can see is where Brady's going. He's turning into like LeBron. Yes. With the Lakers. Like he's kind of running guys out, ran out Bruce Arians who was the only coach that had success in Tampa Bay. Now you got Todd Bowles, who we all know is a bad coach. We've he's this is his second chance. Still not good at it. It he's trying to control the players that are coming in. It's just it's kind of getting sad a little bit for Tom Brady. And it doesn't and I'm obviously not a huge fan. He he destroyed the Steelers his whole career. But he doesn't need to go out like this. Just go, Tom. And yeah. now there's talk about him like going back to like New England. I Sam saw some of that. next year. Some, Sam Fran, some other. Yeah. It's. I don't think these teams want him on your team, especially not at like what he's been demanding in terms of money, right? Like it's not yeah. like you're getting him for like a bargain, like a veteran bargain. It's like oh, he's twenty five million dollars a year. Yeah, and I I think you're he makes your team worse. I genuinely yeah. do. He can't move in the pocket. He needs a ton of time to be able to throw the ball and and hit these long passes that he's just been missing all year. I, I don't know. It's just, it's ugly for the Bucks, and they're not guaranteed to win this division either. Similar to Tennessee. Yeah. It's when you lose like that and they, you play like they have in the past few weeks, nothing should really be for sure. And we thought we were in that position where it was, but now if the Bucks continue to play like this, it can't be good for them. And I think that, with the Bucks sliding, I think that it kind of makes this game or this game look worse or not as good for the 49ers defense because they haven't been playing well. But that's not to say that it wasn't like that because this defense is just really that good. And it's tough not to look horrible against the 49ers. They're first in net yards allowed per game, first in rushing yards allowed per game, first in points allowed per game tied for second in interceptions, like just a juggernaut of a defense that should be able to kind of support their injury riddled offense for the next few weeks. But going forward in the NFC, no one's talking about the Bucks. It's all about the 49ers in this sense. Yeah, that you mentioned it earlier, that injury to uh to D I feel like we should talk more about the 49ers. Well I'm I'm good on the Bucks. They're a bad yeah. football team. I want the Panthers to win that division. Yeah, so I feel do like I, they're but... more deserving of it. They're actually like I don't know. Something yeah. about the Bucks just makes me upset. That yeah, injury to Debo. Oh, sorry. Continue. Go. Yeah, I was just going to say Debo Samuel went down with an injury that's yeah. now been diagnosed as an MCL and ankle sprain. They say he's expected to return for the regular season. I don't really know if that'll be the case. Maybe like a warm-up game in their last week. But I, th that, I think yeah. you maybe just like hold them till the first game of the playoffs kind of thing. Because there's four four weeks left. You're on a short week this week. Yeah, I think you just hold them. This just, offense just is that healthy. much more dynamic with him in it, but it's not to say it's not dynamic without him in it. So I think they should be able to lean on their guys, McCaffrey, Ayuk over the next few weeks. Kittle, Kittle yeah, yeah, they got All they the got boys. weapons. Uh, Juwan Jennings can step up and be that number two wide receiver now, as opposed to number three. This 49ers team, I know we we did our top fives last week, and we we I took them out of mine because I didn't really know what was going to happen with Brock Purdy, but. From what I saw, and I know the Bucks aren't a very good team, I'm I'm back. I'm putting them in there. Putting them For in the sure. top five. I, I would just, hate to play this defense in a playoff the, game. The defense is so good. It's so good. It's 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 crazy. And we know we've seen it. it kind of they're kind of giving me uh, Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos vibes, where it's just it doesn't matter what what quarterback you throw out there, their defense is not going to let up more than 14 points. Yeah, I like that comparison. They're set up to be in like a Super Bowl with like a 13-12 game or some shit. But yeah, that I love every second of it. To a frustrating night game if you were a Dolphins fan, Chargers 23, Dolphins 17. And the Dolphins lose a game that obviously needed to be won. And the most noticeable difference was how much better Justin Herbert played over Tua. 
yeah that was that was what i had to my first note was just herbert over tua in that game specifically season wise i mean they're pretty similar i guess now but had yeah, to Tua had his second bad game in a row this season. He hasn't really had many, but when he does, they kind of stand out. I think that the Chargers rose to the occasion for their from their defense. I think despite injured, made the Dolphins play really hard on offense. They packed the middle a ton and forced Tua to throw outside. And when your receivers really aren't as sharp, which they weren't in the first half of the Dolphins with a lot of drop balls, miscatches, kind of mistakes that didn't help. You're just not going to win that way. So I think that the Chargers did exactly what they had to do. This was one of their best games of the season that they've played. Oh, I think it was their best game of the season. And I also think the book on how to stop the Dolphins offense is it's out there. Well, I think that that's the big question after this game, right? Like, I think that going, I don't want to preview too much, but they're going to be seven and a half point dogs to the Bills on Saturday night. And I think that, Everyone is going with the direction of everyone Everyone has the Dolphins offense figured out because rightfully so in the past two games, I think their play calling has been awful. It's been redundant and it hasn't been as dynamic as it has looked. But I wouldn't count out Mike McDaniel necessarily yet in terms of game planning. I think this game against the Bills is going to be the most telling thing because if he comes in there and he massively changes up the game plan to play in a cold weather game, then I think that people can regain confidence in that, but that's really where the balance kind of lies right now. Yeah. Mike McDaniel, his, his little, his act, I guess we'll call it an act. I don't really understand his persona, the way he talks. That's all cute when you're, when you're winning games and everything's going well, but it's not going to be as well reciprocated when you're losing games like this and to teams that like you, you, the, the Dolphins kind of needed to win this game, not in, it would have been nice for the Dolphins to win this game. They would have been back in the I think so too, yeah. conversation for the AFC East still with this game coming up that we you just mentioned against the Bills. It's it's tough. I think uh, something that the Dolphins really need to do is they just they, their possessions are so short because they don't really run the ball. Like it seemed yeah. like it was against the Chargers. It was incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass off the field. And when they did start running the ball towards the end of the second quarter and in the third quarter, it started working, right? Like the Dolphins ended up being in a position where they had the game right in their hands. And I think that was the most worrying thing for people watching the Dolphins is going into the fourth quarter. It was 2014 and good teams find a way to win that game and they couldn't come up with anything until it was too late. And they have to have a bit more of a balanced offense. You're right. Jeff Wilson has to be activated a bit more. And because when they get running downhill, it's hard for teams to stop them just because of how fast their running backs are. Yeah. Mostert's got track speed. He's big time uh, track champion. 200. Exactly. I can even see, because obviously teams are going to start to stack the box on the Dolphins. That's no secret. We're seeing it now. It's probably going to continue. Just get the ball in the hands of like Tyreek, Jet Sweep, wide receiver screens. Just let them almost be your running backs. Yeah. If because obviously they're they don't love running the ball. I think that's also not a secret. Mm-hmm. But but that worked early in the season. You're yeah. completely right. And you can just make these guys your running backs. Just put the ball in their hands. So it also kills some clock. I mean, your defense can rest up because that was another thing like their defense just felt like they were on the field the entire game because of how yeah. short their possessions were on offense. Chargers were able to run the ball. The Chargers offense looked night and day better with uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. On yeah. The field Mike, at the same Mike time. Williams was shredding that Dolphins defense when he had to, and he came up with big catches. And I don't think that, yeah, with your defense being on the field that long, they're just bound to crack, right? Like they, mm-hmm. I actually don't think the Dolphins defense played horrible, but when you're on the field for that long, you're going to give up a certain amount of points and then it's up to the offense, right? You need to stretch out those drives. When you look down the Dolphins offense, it's a Sam Mitchell moment. I just see zero, 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 no touchdowns, right? Like, yeah. And, and I think that, Without Tyree Kill getting that fluky fumble play, I think he had a really rough game. He dropped about three passes. He missed one pass completely in the first quarter that would have been a touchdown. Like he just didn't see yep. it. Yeah, I know. So that. I think that there was some tough moments like that. But I mentioned in our preview that this game had an air of college football to it, and I think it played out that way. But for the Chargers, essentially, like they got a huge win and put themselves momentarily in the wild card seat 
in the AFC. I think the Patriots have the tiebreaker overall yeah. three. Yeah, but then the the Pats win a race that. Yes. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dolphins kind of experienced another drastic fall in perception and in play. Like I think it totally played out, especially with how with being in prime time and people already have questions comparing Herbert to a, just a bad game all around. If you're the Dolphins in trying to kind of write the record, now teams are less scared to play the Dolphins. And then you now have a tough game against them ahead of them with the bills, but we'll get to that later. Chargers um, could sneaky be peaking at the right time. Yeah, like, that's the thing, they're right? Gonna it, get, they're going to get Der- Derwin James wasn't playing in that game. He's he should be playing next week. Joey Bosa looks like he could be back any given week now. I mean, this this Chargers team, like when they're full, their their biggest issue is staying healthy. And if they are able to sneak in the playoffs as a healthy football team, that they they could get a win. They could get a win. They could make a little bit of noise, maybe scare you. I mean, I don't know how well they will do in cold weather. Obviously, that's definitely something to be factored in. But overall, I mean, the it's got to be encouraging if you're a Chargers fan after what you just saw on Sunday night. Yeah, I think the Chargers are a team that makes me so excited for the playoffs this year because I think it's going to be a shit show. Like, I think that the playoffs is going to just be – there will be the great teams that rise to the top. The NFC is going to be a little less – boring but i think the first like the wild card games i think are going to be incredible so who would you predict gets that last uh i guess the dolphins aren't guaranteed a spot either at eight no they're not eight and five yeah eight and five so who who's who sneaks in in the afc for you is it well the the big thing is going to be whether like if the ravens beat the browns and go to four and oh in the division then it's going to be harder and harder for the Bengals to catch them to then take it so then you're going to have the Bengals in the mix if the Bills keep going as they are, then you're going to have the Dolphins in the mix. And then if the Chargers keep winning and the Jets keep winning and the Jets make it, you're going to basically have Bengals, Dolphins, Chargers, Jets in that kind of entire mix. The Patriots are just hanging around. I they know. don't it's they don't even I, want to mention them. It's crazy. Well, they're they're the yeah. one that's in the playoffs spot right now, know. which is scary. It's going to be one of those three teams. Chargers, yeah. Patriots, or Jets. Yeah. I think Dolphins, Bengals are in. Yeah. Same with the Ravens. So I think it's one of those three teams are fighting for one playoff spot. It's going to be real. I'm going to I'm going to take a shot and say the Chargers because I think they're the best football team. But I think it's I'll, I'll say the Jets right on. Yeah. Change yeah, it we, up. We can go we can go both ways on that. But that was pretty much it for week 14. I think there was a lot of rising and falling in terms of storylines and it's going to set up a pretty crazy week 15. All right, welcome back to the second edition of our Giving Them the Business. Giving Them the Business. And it's been a while since we gave the business to anyone, but starting off, I think for everyone watching Sunday Night Football, I'm going to be giving the business to roughing the passer calls because it might have been the most widely agreed upon thing that Twitter has ever seen. Like there was a few moments of just brief harmony for every football fan to shit on the refs Sunday night. Chargers Dolphins because the Chargers come out of half and have the chance to basically put away the game with a massive drive right and Herbert drops back on third and nine and Jalen Phillips has one of the cleanest sacks you can make right he even puts his hands up while he's falling to avoid like completely putting all his weight on Herbert he makes the tackle at 11 10 and the penalty is called at 10.54. It's a 15-second difference. The Chargers offense had made it off the field, and the broadcast had moved on, which made this like 10 times worse and maybe the worst call all season. I'm, I... I'm willing to go that far. Just in terms of pass, roughing the passer calls, I think this was worse than the one in week five or six or whatever with the Tom Brady. Brady one. I think that, that I based think that on... was worse, but this was definitely yeah. a terrible call. More so just based on what a sack, I think. Yeah, that one was bad because Dude, there that was, one was no contact. Yeah, he like, yeah, he kind but of when, just fell. But when you feel like they've figured it out at least a bit over the past, like, and it's come a bit less out of the spot, like that. If that's not a sack, I don't know what is in football. That's the problem with it, right? Insert the the Troy Aikman quote. No, literally, take the dresses off. And when Terry disagrees with the refs, you know it's bad, right? Like he yeah, was even saying that penalty isn't. Those isn't guys the right are call. paid to to agree with the refs and back up their. Collinsworth actually sounded pissed. He said it was terrible, like multiple times. And just because Justin Har- Herbert starts rubbing his arms with his puppy dog eyes on the sideline, they call it. 
Like there was even a roar of boos in the Chargers stadium. Like when they showed it. Now, who knows Whoa. if that's just Dolphins fans that's just tra- Dolphins traveling. Fans, yeah. But <laughs> it was so loud that it made it feel like even Chargers fans were like, that's not a fucking penalty. It was it was a bad call, and it's obviously it gets focused on more because it's in prime time. That's yeah. why I think you're saying it was worse than the Brady call because the Brady call kind of just snuck, snuck in, in yeah. the one o'clock slate, and you had to see the replay. And if you didn't see the mm-hmm. replay, you probably didn't see it. Yeah, I I I love when the old school guys like Aikman and Collingsworth like just actually get noticeably upset about these yeah. calls especially because the era that they played in yeah they can feel it like changing Dude, in front I, of their eyes it makes me laugh so much when they're just like come on they're just they're just <laughs> yeah like the last thing i had was just like how is this penalty called on the same day of nfl football where mike white is sliced in half i just don't know like obviously yeah, kenny, the different kenny, plays kenny pickett got taken out yeah. of the game from a hit with no call absolutely it, it's it's weird man because they want to say it's the one that they always go back to is like, oh, you can't drive them into the ground. And I think that's kind of what they said Jalen Phillips they ended did. Up giving, yeah. You didn't hit him in the head. wasn't really no. late. I think it's because they said he drove him with force. But that's not force, man. Just because you land on top of the guy doesn't mean it's force. You have to like exactly. pile drive him into the ground for it to be you driving him into the ground with force. Or like you're, you're projecting, like you're yeah. jumping at the guy and launching, but... Yeah, it got, it, was. it got me riled up. I think the the timing also kind of made it worse, right? Like it made it look like a very shady call in the sense of being so far after the play and then just throwing the Chargers offense back on the field. But I digress. NFL rigged is what you're saying? I, I don't want to say it, but I saw it in front of my own eyes. Aisha Curry tweet. And Patrick, what's your giving them the business? Well, it's a great segue with the Aisha Curry tweet, actually. Just watched it with my own eyes. It's rigged. I don't know what else I can say. UFC judging. UFC judging. Um, they've obviously been under the microscope in the past two or three weeks, I believe, with uh, the government of Ontario banning the betting of UFC, which is tragic unless you get on uh, a site that I won't mention, but it's out there. You, you can find ways around it. So I, I did find ways around it, and I was betting on this UFC 282 card on Saturday. Right. And the card was it was exceptional. Um, the judges hadn't been needed in any fight up until the co-main. And then, well, actually, we'll, we'll bring it back a little bit. On, on Friday night, there was a Bellator event, big one. This judge named Doug Crosby scored this fight 50 to 45. For the loser, for the guy who lost. So it's, oh man, it was the first time ever that that's happened where, so it was a split decision. The two other judges had it 48 47 for the guy who won. And then the other judge had it, Doug Crosby, 50 to 45 for the loser. So that's the first time that that's, 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 yes. Then, so he took a flight from Pennsylvania to Nevada the next night for this Patty Pimblett fight. Oh no. Yes. He was he was judging the Patty Pimblet fight. And it was I I have a f- pretty good feel on this fight that me and my friends were watching. We all I th- I had it when I heard unanimous decision, I thought there was no way Patty could win it. Because I was like, okay, all three judges saw it the way I saw it. Right. Saw it the way my friends saw it. Like, this is just Jared Gordon unanimous decision. It was not. No. And all three of those judges, like they only agreed on one round in that fight. So it's just it's just very sketchy how that happened. Doug Crosby's now under investigation because oh of it. God, yeah. Man. And then that wasn't it. It it did not end there. So in the main event, the light heavyweight uh championship, Jan Bohovitz against uh Magomed Ankalaev. It was it was not a great fight. It was kind of boring. I had Ankalaev by decision. Seemed like he had two 10-8 rounds, won the third. Should be unanimous for Ankalaev. Gets to the judges, and we have a split draw. Meaning all three judges saw a different fight. One had it for Jan, one had it for Magomed, and then the other one just had it a draw. That's an insane. All three saw it different ways, which is just... I mean, sure, but 
my biggest thing is there's no actual accountability for these judges. Like you should have to get up and tell and explain yourself. Like, what did you just see to score it that way? And it, it also takes away from like the common fan. Like if you're just you're like, Oh, I hear a lot of good things about this UFC, whatever. It's interesting. You turn it on. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I just saw this. And then they score it a different way. You're just going to be like, I don't understand this sport and just stop watching it. Well, for a, sport in a league that has such bad reputation problems at the very moment right yeah like why would you not want to do something that creates further transparency right like this would be a layup for the ufc to basically do a two-minute drill for rep for judges afterwards or to even just put out a press release explaining it but there's none of that right now so it leads people to make you know like drastic claims or reaches where they're like okay patty pumla is now the ufc's star boy or at least has been in the past month in terms of, you know, fan engagement in terms of, you know, driving revenue. And he's just on Dana White's podcast. Like it's just a very weird timing for this decision to happen and for it to happen on the back of UFC being banned in Ontario because of legitimacy issues and the entire scandal that happened there. It's just all around a terrible look. It's not good. It's really not good for the UFC right now. I think they, the, the only thing that's going for them in this situation is they don't choose the judges. The yeah. commission of whichever state they are in chooses the judges. So I think that's kind of more of a reflection on Nevada for allowing Doug Crosby to even judge right. a fight when he's in a different state judging a different organization the night before. Yeah, I think that's just crazy. So he's he's actually, I guess, having some accountability because he's under investigation. Yeah. It's it's just tough. Like I thought that Yano O'Malley one was controversial, and then I watched it back, and I was like, okay, like I can understand you seeing that either way. These ones, I watched it back, and it's just, it's I I I'm at a loss of words. It's bad. I hope they clean it up. And I mean, they actually already kind of are. Like at least they they scheduled UFC 283, the light heavyweight title, with two different fighters. So hopefully, hopefully the future holds good fortune for the UFC. Yeah, only time will really tell um, for the UFC. It's going to be a big next month, but that's giving them the business, and we'll be back in maybe another week or two and uh, update this. Whenever something makes us mad. And we're back now to start our previews of Thursday Night Football, where the 49ers will try to clinch the NFC West with their seventh win in a row. They visit their divisional rival, Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco, the last time they played, cruised to a 27-7 win against Seattle in Week 2. Seattle's coming off its third loss in four games, and it feels like everything is set up here for the 49ers. So it, you can't ask for much more for the 49ers. You, you win the game, you win the division against the team that's the only team that you're competing for for the division. Yeah. It's it's an exciting opportunity. I mean, Brock Purdy first start on the road in against the twelfth man in Seattle. The line three yeah, and a half you, is are probably you surprised. Yeah, they're three and a half. No, point that's that's what I would have it at. Okay, it's on the road. Being on the road's worth about three points. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Brock Purdy on the road. I think that's more of what it is. It looks like Kenneth Walker is going to play. Yeah, was a full participant Tuesday, so that's the latest information we have this is a spot where seattle just comes out of nowhere and has it has a game like they've See, lost that's three what out I, of four. I was thinking too right like the, in those three losses i think they've all lost by one possession like they lost 30 24 against carolina and i think that this is a game where they can stay feisty in it and i think that's what most people are banking on especially vegas with that line but one thing to keep an eye on, they've struggled against the run all season. They're 31st at 160 yards allowed per game. And over the past four games, they've allowed 210 yards per game. So I think that Purdy and the Niners offense are going to lean really hard on McCaffrey. And I think that's going to be the key storyline tonight is whether the Niners kind of run all over them. McCaffrey must be loving life in San Francisco back in prime time again. Like people are just now seeing him all the time. And I love yeah. it. I think, yeah. Cause I think he was kind of hidden in Carolina, a bit. uh, people kind of raved about him his rookie year. And then 
couple injuries. He would be a fantasy, like in fantasy yeah. circles, he was highly talked about. But other than that, he wasn't getting a ton of like primetime media. But now people are getting to watch him and he's just spectacular getting it done in all facets of the game. Yeah. I, I'm i impressed with the San Francisco team a lot right now. I mean, obviously that's not a crazy thing to say, but they just have, like you've said it, they're looking for their seventh win in a row or have they, they've won seven in a row. They've won seven. They're so looking, yeah, looking for, for eight. their eighth. It's, I don't know. They just look like a well-oiled machine right now. I I gotta lean San Francisco in this game, but I I do think it's it's a very close one with the Seahawks, like three and a half. I it, it does kind of feel like a field goal game in Seattle. Yeah. Could be very wrong about that. Do you have like what what are you seeing in this game? How much stock are you putting into uh, Purdy's like oblique injury last week? Because he still like played through it and got through it. But I feel like if Mike White's playing, Purdy's probably gonna play. But they're gonna need him kind of at full strength on a short week. Like, if he's not at full strength, San Francisco could potentially be down to Josh Johnson, their fourth string. So I think that, like, you know, if Purdy is healthy going into this, there's not as many questions. But I, I think he's going to be fine. It's just a question. I think he's he's going to be playing. I, I think more of the question is how healthy. Like, what are we going right, to like 95% yeah, if he takes a Brock huge Purdy, hit, yeah, is he going to be 70%? Out? Yeah. I think because he, he ran a little bit against the yeah, he got a rushing touchdown yeah like he was he, he could run so i think shanahan might kind of tell him hey like kind of limit the running unless it's unless it's just right in front of you and you know you can get five slide yeah. no contact but like he didn't get sacked once um against the buccaneers last week no. so that offensive line will protect him trent williams left tackle should have his blind side covered it's Hit my biggest question mark for Brock Purdy is how is he going to respond to a ruckus road crowd in yeah. Seattle? Yeah, I think that all eyes are again. It's not like he's had the easiest, you know, being thrown in right now, and now he has like his first standalone prime time. Where oh, I he, didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's yeah. in prime time. Yeah, right. Like you're standalone in prime time here. All eyes are going to be him on, on him on Thursday night football. So I think that this is a game where if the Niners do look great and even Purdy looks great, then they're suddenly not going to be in like the top five combo. They might jump to people's like top three combo. Yeah. I mean, the matchup early and is very early in the year, but 27 to seven. Yeah, not exactly confidence inspiring. That was before the Seahawks kind of went on the rip, but I think Geno Smith's going to have to step up big time if they want to win. Right. Yeah. It's just tough playing the 49ers like you have to find a way to put up more than 20 points for sure if you want to win this game and the 49ers just aren't aren't really letting up points they haven't let up more than 20 points since week seven against the chiefs man yeah Yeah. it's just i mean they're a good team that was also their last loss so it's if they hold this team to under 14 points, which I mean, all signs are pointing to them doing that, they probably win. No yeah. matter how Brock Purdy plays, he just has to be good enough. Just get the ball into your hands of your weapons. Do it quickly. Don't take hits. Good things will happen. That it's yeah. It's a pretty simple that's... recipe out for the 49ers to win this game. It's the Seahawks Absolutely. that kind of might have to change some things up in order to stay around in this game. Yeah, and go above and beyond. But I think that does it for the Thursday night. I think everybody's going to be watching that game. Hopefully, it's a good who, one. Thursday. Who would you take? Some dub. Won't won't go on record. Who who would you take? Where or would who would you lean? We'll say. I would lean even. I would lean Forty ers Obviously, so I might even I. lean a Forty ers like alternate line at like five and a half or something. And I like this under. Yeah, and I like the under, and I would take the under team total for Seattle as well. Game prediction. 20 to 7. Yeah, I would say I might even go yeah, a bit higher. 20 to 10. Be, yeah, something like that. So, I think that that's something that people are going to be looking at and all eyes are going to be on the 49ers, but moving on to the Saturday games. That's right, we're finally at the point of the season where we get these sweet Saturday games starting with Colts at Vikings. Vikings are 4-point favorites. Kind of two teams trying to get right after recent losses. Colts really trying to get right, trying to snap a three-game losing streak. And the Vikings are just trying to regain confidence after losing the Lions pretty much. 
So this is uh, it's an interesting matchup. It really is. I I don't think highly of either of these two teams. I think the Vikings have a fun upside with Justin Jefferson. They they can be fun. Kirk Cousins. You never really know what you're going to get out of them. This this game feels like the Vikings kind of get back on their on their feet. They got not like a statement win, but a win where they're like, oh, you know, the Vikings. Like they're not going away this easily. Coming off that tough loss to to the division rival Lions, the Colts are just they're a sitting duck for teams like the Vikings that are in need of a confidence boost. It's one of the it's one of those games. It's like the Vikings need a confidence boost. The Colts are as low as they have been pretty much in the season. It's it's just it's I'm not excited for this game though. Yeah, Indy's been outscored by 43 points over its last three games, which were all losses, and they also allowed 33 unanswered in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys. Jeff Saturday's tenure with the Colts has just kind of gone super south, and I think that now I'm just looking to what Vegas thinks about the Vikings each week. I feel like I feel like they have the true pulse of this team, and because they're six and six against the, six six and one, I think against the spread, and I think that this is all going to come down to a game where if the Vikings do what they should be, they should be able to roll over the Colts. It's going to be Dalvin cook versus Jonathan Taylor, right? Like it's likely going to come down to which running game is more successful. Cook kind of got held in check by the lions. He had 23 rushing yards, but it's kind of fair to expect a bounce back performance against the Colts defense. They've been terrible. They allow 126 yards per game and 177 over the past three allowed 15 rushing TDs. So if there's any defense for the Vikings to kind of get right on and get their running game right, they should be able to put up points here. Kirk Cousins just feels like an Indianapolis Colts quarterback, doesn't he? he just, I would I would say in three years. Yeah, you just you, you will see him in a Colts uniform before he retires. That's yeah. You know what I mean? It's, he's he's a Matt Ryan. He's a Philip Rivers. He's a, I know. He's an I know. Block. It's I mean there's a common outlier between all of, all those guys, but it's just this Vikings team is not a Super Bowl threat. No, they are a above average team, and they will put up points against this Colts defense. The Colts stink, man. Matt Matt Ryan, it's it's sad watching them out there. It really is. It's it's similar to Tom Brady, where it's like you're good, you're good, you're good, and then you just hit this age and you just fall off so quickly. And well, one question I had was, can Matt Ryan have success against the Vikings pass defense? Because it's been so bad. And it's like they're essentially the worst pass defense in the league, 287 yards per game. And over the past three games, the Vikings have allowed 353 yards per average. So if Ryan has time in the pocket and he can spread the ball to like kind of that underrated receiving core, then maybe they can have some success. But you're right. Matt Ryan's just looked like a shell of him for of his former self. He threw three picks last week. It's just becoming that game where no, nobody really wants to see Matt Ryan like play badly or get killed or throw interceptions, and it's just kind of becoming sad. I think that's the word for it. It's sad. It's definitely sad, man. We we grew up watching these quarterbacks. I mean, it's he won an MVP. We'll always have a twenty-eight to three Super Bowl. I'll I'll have I'll have fond memories of Matt Ryan as a, as a kid. But I I think Jeff Saturday his biggest problem coaching his team kind of similar to Dan Campbell. I think he can like say the right words to get this team excited to play games, but he just doesn't have the X's and O's and strategy. To, management. Yeah. Yeah. Just the little things that you need to be as a coach. Like he has some, some points of being a coach where it's like, okay, like you can inspire a team to play and you say the right words, but I just don't, I think you need to let someone else call the plays. I it, is someone else calling the plays because the offense just doesn't look very good. They're just very an offensive line head coach team. It's just like, yeah, we're going to run, run, run. Matt Ryan, he just doesn't move, man. He just doesn't move. If he doesn't have a clean pocket, 50% chance that ball is getting intercepted. It's just not, not good for the Colts. They're also kind of in no man's land. Like if I'm them, I want to lose games. Yeah, they, get a better draft pick. They are in need of a quarterback badly, badly. badly, badly. That's, and you know what? This is the team Will Levis ends up to. That's a Colts quarterback. Will Levis is just, he's got Colts written all over him, man. It's its right there. In the, it's written in the stars. 
this total is way too high. 48 and a half. The Colts. Actually, yeah. You, the Vikings you did put say up a the, lot of points. And the Vikings defense is kind of suspect, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. This it's game, a weird game. It's a weird game. It, it's the perfect one o'clock on a Saturday game, though, because yeah. it's just it's you don't really know what's going to happen. Like this could turn into just be a, a 45 38 shootout out of yeah. nowhere. Out of just thin air. And you're like, OK, like we're in for a day of football here. Happy Saturday. Yeah. I would love that. I, I just love the Saturday games. Just kind of proves NFL's king. They can just yeah, take over they whatever they, day whatever they want. They want. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But that brings us next to Ravens at Browns in an important divisional matchup for Baltimore. They're trying to create even more space between themselves and the Bengals. They have the chance to go four and zero in divisional play. Meanwhile, the Browns have not looked good, and the Ravens have shaken off their Jaguars lost well after ripping off two straight wins. And they're still the Browns are still somehow two and a half point favorites in this matchup. What's what's going on there? I think that line is based off. We don't know who the hell is starting at quarterback. For yeah, the Baltimore it seems Ravens. to move in either direction based on like the status of Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. It could be any of the three yeah. from what yeah. I'm seeing right now. I I really have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I don't it's- think the Browns really have any idea either. Like they all kind of have a similar game to I guess Huntley and Brown throw the ball maybe more, more like Lamar always has the oh I can just run Huntley and Brown don't have that same type of ability that he has yeah. but they also can run the ball it obviously you want Lamar to start I think Huntley gives them a chance in this game but I think if Anthony Brown starts the Ravens are in trouble yeah, that's they've, a fair they've scored assessment. 26 points in the past two games. And Lamar has been pretty much in it all but like or, or only for a few drives. So its defense has kind of carried the way, but it's not it necessarily like the tallest task against the Broncos and Steelers. The Browns are going to be a bit tougher of an op- opponent in that sense. Yeah, the, you you mentioned the Ravens defense. They're they're second in uh in ru- defense and rushing, uh, their third lowest yards per carry in the league with 3.8, and they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in seven weeks. So this yeah. will be a very big challenge going up against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But the Browns, ever since uh, he who shall not be named has returned, haven't been able to run the ball with success at all. It's so odd because everybody was putting in a ton of stock to their running game when he would come back, right? They'd be like, oh, they're just going to hand it off a ton. But it hasn't looked good. Like it's he's been Watson's been rusty and the running game hasn't looked good, which leaves this offense kind of at a complete limbo where they're not really doing anything. And last week was a, a better sign because they almost outgained the Bengals in total yardage, even though they lost, but it's been, it was a tough time to get yards in that game. And I think it's not going to be much easier against the Ravens. No, and this is the Deshaun's getting thrown into like what AFC North football is. Absolutely, and it is, December. It is the complete opposite of the AFC South. It, it's it's not it a pretty much band. more different. Yeah. It's not a pretty brand of football. It's tough. It's one in the trenches, and it's one through defense. So Deshaun has to. He's you're not playing in a dome anymore in in Texas, Deshaun. Like you're gonna have to hand the ball off. It's not all about you. He. Him throwing the ball has looked bad. Like it's really he, he looks bad. like a guy who hasn't played in two years, and it's becoming like super obvious. Very obvious. This is. Uh, I wish this game was in Baltimore. It yeah, was, me too. They, those are the fans that would really let Deshaun hear it. And even the players are starting to say, like, I like saw I've the Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. They're not not uh not trying to give him a. Uh, Happy wel- welcome happy or something. Welcome or, yeah. yeah, some weird wording. But could, yeah, could have done something better than that, Marlon. But it's this is going to be a really big prove it game for Deshaun on freaking primetime TV. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised to put him on. I guess they didn't really account for uh, for him being on the Browns. But yeah, he's getting a primetime slot. We're going to get to watch him. He's a big question mark. I think they do need to run the ball more with Nick Chubb. It's when they're running the ball, they can do a lot more things on offense, and they look yes. like a way better run football team. I, I think Stefanski's a bad, bad coach. I think so, too. I think that if 
Chubb gets going and Hunt gets going, it kind of frees up in a weird way in Joku. Like all the games that they've yeah. had great yeah. games, like he's also dominated. And I think that there's been a super lack of of game plan adjust, uh, adjustment over the past few weeks that has kind of pointed to Stefanski not really knowing what he's doing. So I think that this is a game that could go either way, as you mentioned, with the injuries. And I think that there's a bunch of different ways that it could go, but I still feel confident in Baltimore just because of their defense and how bad the Browns offense has looked. But th- it, this could go either way. I, I, The Browns defense has underperformed this year. There was a lot of hype around Miles Garrett, yeah. Jadavion Clowney, a couple of draft picks. But it has they've underperformed. Baltimore's really missing Marquise Brown. Really missing him. They they're just missing an offensive weapon that they had. And their offense just looks bad. Like the total the total set at what was it? 30 38? 37 and a half. All, yeah. And I mean, that's probably right where I would have it at. It's I'm gonna lean Browns if Huntley or Brown starts. Yeah. But if Lamar starts, I think this is a this is a Ravens game. I always just in these matchups just take the points. Just yeah. every time, just take the points. It's probably gonna be a field goal game. AFC North football. It's not gonna be pretty, but I mean, I I want the Ravens to win. On I I hate to say it, but I have bet on the Browns both games since Watson's been back. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think mean, that's it's... pretty much all you can say about uh, about the game. If Lamar's in, it goes Ravens. If not, it's a toss up. But I think it will ultimately be a fo- uh, field goal game. Moves us to Sun or Saturday night Dolphins at Bills for a cold night game in Buffalo and a massive divisional game for the AFC East. Couldn't be a worse spot for the Dolphins. They're coming off a low point in the third road game in a row and coming off a bad loss to the Chargers. Meanwhile, the Bills are at home looking to kind of get another big win and notch in their belt to become the divisional leader for good. And they're seven and a half point favorites, which I mentioned earlier, because I think everyone's counting on Miami being figured out. Yeah, I was shocked at the line. I know Miami hasn't looked very good the past two weeks, but they've also played two good football teams. So maybe they're saying, you know, they've kind of been exposed a bit, you know, playing higher competition. I just I think don't... the spread's weird in the, the weather too, right? Like, I don't snow. think this is like an eight-point game in that sense. I mean, yeah. I don't if, know. If the Dolphins don't, don't put up points, it, it could be I know, more. I know. It's weird because everybody's already starting to be like, oh, Dolphins can't play in the cold. It's like these guys are football players at the end of the day. Like, I think that yeah, they're drafted from yeah. where all around America. It, it's they so just ridiculous. They play in Miami right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, but but there is something to be said about Miami not exactly being a ground and pound team while Buffalo can operate that way and often does. So I think that this is the game where Mike McDaniel has to make his massive adjustments, especially with how stagnant they've looked over the past few weeks. And I'm excited for it. I think it's a challenge that if the dolphins can rise up to, they'll kind of rewrite the past few weeks in people's eyes, right? Like if the dolphins go out there and get a win, then people are all of a sudden back being high on the dolphins, especially if they win it in a good way. So I think it's it's a big challenge for the Dolphins, and I think it could be a, not a, a letdown for the Bills, but not a seven-and-a-half-point favorite game for them. If the Dolphins win this game, they are set up to have an opportunity to win the division. Yeah. So there's They're, a lot on the line, right? Like It's, a, it's not only a prove-it game for the Dolphins, but it's also like a big divisional game. It also is for the Bills, but I feel like it, this game means more to the Dolphins. And the, the Dolphins the Dolphins won the first matchup uh, in, yep. in a low-scoring affair, 21-19, earlier in the year. But, I mean, if the Dolphins find a way to win this game, there are three remaining games, so there'll be a game back above Buffalo with the tiebreaker, and they'll play the Packers, Patriots, Jets to close out their year. So, yep. I mean, if, Buffalo sli- if they win this game and Buffalo slips up once more and the Dolphins run the table, which they definitely could, the division's there, so they like they yeah. definitely have something to play for. They are low, right? Probably as low as they've been all year. Yeah, but this is a spot to kind of just prove the doubters wrong. Go in there somehow, find a running game. Which the issue is like they do have a running game. They just aren't running the ball. That's what yeah, I think. Which, which is where I think the adjustments are going to come. Hopefully, right? Like if they show early on in this game that they're going to be running the ball and they have success, I think the Dolphins are a team that work really well on momentum. 
and doing if they're doing well at whatever they're doing it sets them up to kind of ride that high for the rest of the game so i think that in a snowy game i think this dolphins defense can at least make it tough for the bills and i think that you're going to have Xavier Howard on Stefan Diggs. Like that's not going to be the easiest matchup for him. I think that they can make plays and keep it close on that end. And it's, it's going to come down to the offense. I think let's, let's not act like Buffalo has the best running game in the world though, either. It's right? true. It's true. Right? Like a lot of that comes down on Josh Allen, which you never know what he's going to do. And you never know when he's just going to break off like a 20 yard run. But it's not like they've been, yeah, the leading rushing team in the league either. So I think that both offenses are going to be for in for a bit of a test because they didn't look fantastic against the Jets either. No, and we, we talked about it in the recap against the Chargers, but just getting the ball in, in Tyreek and Waddle's hands in the snow so you don't have to just rip it 30, 40 yards in the air is a recipe for success because, I mean, guys are going to be slipping out there. It's going to be an opportunity with... Tyreek's quick little strides to not have that slippery and he's that north-south speed. So, I mean, I don't hate taking the Dolphins with the points here. Something something about this game makes me think there's going to be points, though. Like, 42.5 kind of seems low to me. I know the snow is going to be a factor. I think they were saying 7 inches around yeah. there. Yeah, I screw it. Snow, snow doesn't matter. They're like it's, it'll be quick, man. These guys are gonna, I think, move the ball. Miami is going to try make a point out of being able to throw outside the hashes in the numbers. Yeah, because I yep. think that's that's now the the microscope on Miami is their offense is between the numbers, stack the box, make Tua throw to the sidelines. Tua can throw to the sidelines. He, he, he can. can. I, I've seen it in college. He can. It, it it obviously looks weird as a lefty, but he can do it. He can get it done. Yeah, I think it's a big test for him too, right? Like if you're him, you can't have three bad games in a row and expect to still instill confidence. So I think that this is everything for the Dolphins right now. I think they, in terms of even having an identity as a team, they need to win this game or keep it close to continue the momentum of the season because then at least if you lose this game in a good way you can then go rip off some wins to finish the season against like the Packers the Jet or the Pats and the Jets and have a bit of confidence going into the playoffs but I think that this is a big stepping stone in terms of you know counting themselves right and and saying we are the team that we at least think we are what uh what do you consider a, a successful season for Miami I think at this point a successful season has to be making the playoffs and at least shaking shit up in their first playoff game, right? Like I'm not going to be quick to say that if the Dolphins lose a playoff game, the season's not a success because I don't think that's true at all. I think that the Dolphins have been a team that have been progressively being getting better over the past three years and getting to the playoffs and making a, a little bit of noise only improves on that. So I think that that's where I'd stand right now. Yeah. Cause I, I think they're ahead of schedule and where yeah, they were supposed I think so to be this year. I, I mean, if you win this game, you're 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 in a spot to win the AFC East in a division that everyone had the Bills as Super Bowl favorites going into the year. Yeah, and has been one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest in football. And, and I think Miami is kind of in a, a similar situation to where the Bills were a year or two ago, where it's like, right. this team has a lot of upside, but they just have just little details that kind of need Question fixings. Marks, yeah. Maybe one or two guys, like a Vaughn Miller, like... Jalen Phillips looks really good. He's only going to continue to get better to get that edge rusher. Like it's just yeah, little Bradley things, but I think, there's, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of things from this Miami, Miami Dolphins team this year that are, it's just positive takeaways and things that you yeah. can be proud of. Yeah, I think so too. So I think that does it for the Saturday night recap. I think everybody's pumped for some Saturday night football and I think that it'll be a big game for the Dolphins, but that does it for our football recap. One thing I wanted to slide in here before we ended the episode, uh, RIP, rest in peace to Mike Leach, college football legend, and we would be remiss without at least mentioning it. Yep, rest in peace, Mike Leach. Uh, just just a one-of-a-kind person. Changed, changed the football game as we know it today, the yeah. college football game, and now the, the NFL too with the spread offense. A lot of people don't know that, but he was pretty much the first coach to implement that in his yeah. – systems at texas tech so and he he did it the right way as a coach i feel like he was always going to not like your your blue blood programs he was kind of just going to these notable but not i mean 
huge schools and he was just bringing success and just having fun while doing it and he was just a great guy and i think that was yeah the bigger thing is is that with all his success he wasn't one of those stickler college football coaches who's no fun in interviews who's no fun to people around him i think everybody enjoyed being around him and everybody has a great story about him and he also has one of like the more impressive coaching trees out there as well if you want to go look that up and see who's come from him it's pretty pretty remarkable so I think that does it for the episode. Uh, this one's in honor of Mike Leach. So uh, everybody have a good week uh, weekend of football ahead. Enjoy it. Enjoy. Enjoy the Saturday football games. See you, Damien. See ya. As coaches, we failed to get through to them. As, as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how uh, how easy it's going to be and how, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of people. Everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game. Well, I, I mean, that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football. And uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them, and uh, the players have to listen. And I, I'm willing to go to uh, fairly amazing lengths to try to make that happen. I don't know if I'll be successful this week or not, but. But, you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. uh, And if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad.